Hello, faithful viewer or listener. Welcome back to the Silver Screen podcast, the film review podcast, hosted by myself, uh, Mike Wilson, um, and introducing my brand new uh, sort of <laughs> regular recurring co-host that you'll be seeing and hearing a bit more of, uh, Mr. DK is back. Uh, hello, DK. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Hello there. Glad to be back. Uh, awesome. Yeah, uh, DK has... Um, basically volunteered himself to be the equivalent of the movies that make us uh, documentary makers from uh, from Netflix and give us a few sort of <laughs> behind the scenes facts and information about the films that we review, uh, which I'm very grateful for because it saves me having to do that on top of watching and reviewing and stuff. Um, so yeah, that will, that will be how we start off uh, proceedings today. But before we get to that, I should let you know that um, the films that we're reviewing today, uh, it's a double bill, we're reviewing the two Venom movies. Uh, in honor of Morbius being released uh, recently at the cinema. Uh, when you're watching this, it'll have just come out, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, we're reviewing Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage, both of those movies, the other entries so far in the what is now officially called Sony Spider-Man universe, despite the fact that it doesn't actually have Spider-Man in it. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> discussion for another day, I guess, maybe. But, uh, yeah, very odd. I do remember at one point that they'd called it the Sony Universe of Marvel characters, or the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters, but then it's changed that because everybody was going around calling it Spunk. Which was a yes. really stupid name. <laughs> In all yeah, fairness, the, by the time Sony have done, they might be doing that anyway. <laughs> oh, they've messed they mess it up quite a lot, to be fair. I think Into the Spider-Verse is what they've, they've more or less nailed, and beyond that, we'll see what we think of the Venom movies, to be fair, no spoilers, but... Uh, yeah, the Spider-Man franchises, they tend to run into the ground once they get a quick hit, unfortunately, but uh, never mind. So yeah, hopefully uh, we've all been watching and maybe enjoying Morbius. Uh, advanced reviews are not the greatest, but you never know, I guess. We live in hope. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Transformers made money, so... <laughs> yeah, and anybody that's got IP, so this is going to be... I mean, we've already had it confirmed that uh, after Morbius, we've got a Craven the Hunter movie. And a Madam Web movie. So any Spider-Man related character, they're going to try and, you know, poop a movie out of just to get that money. So fully expect to see, you know, Uncle Ben, the prequel movie in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for White Rabbit, the movie. <laughs> Big Wheel, the movie. That's what we all want to see. The greatest Spider-Man oh, Yes. Madcap. <laughs> Pierced Pot Pete. <laughs> I could name obscure Spider-Man villains all day, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, there's, the thing is, that probably will happen. I mean, Morbius wasn't exactly an A-lister. So. No, I yeah. think I expect Sony to, to try and wring as much out of it as humanly possible before they give up the ghost. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with all these post-credit scenes and this random universe hopping that's been happening and stuff. Uh, you know, spoilers for No Way Home and everything, I guess, but come on, the entire world's seen that film by now. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah. What it is then, uh, as I said, we've got two films to get to, so we'll try and go uh, a little bit quicker if we can without hitting everything. Um, but I did want to start with uh, with DK's area of things, which is the behind the scenes and uh, the little bits, bits of backstory. Uh, so we will start, obviously, with Venom, uh, the original movie. Not the first movie to feature Venom. He was in Spider-Man 3, of course. But, uh, yeah, Venom, the solo movie with Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah, take it away, DK. It's all yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was originally conceived in 97 under New Line Cinema. But as you know, it fell through numerous times while going into production in 2016. It was previously mooted after Spider-Man 3 with Topher Grace, but yeah. I said about that better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then again, 
after the supposed Spider-Man 3. Mm. But we all know how that went. Uh, casting prior to this, obviously featured Tor for Grace, who dropped out, even once the Spider-Man 3 was still rumoured. They weren't going to mm. be told for Grace, apparently. And Chris Zilker, who played Flash Thompson in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Because at that point, Venom in the comic books featured Flash Thompson as Venom's alter ego. That's right, yeah. Yeah, both of them fell through, and then Sony took an interest in Hardy as an in-demand talent. Hardy's son, Lewis, being a fan of the character, spurred Hardy to take it. He also guided his portrayal of the actor, as Hardy didn't know the character very well. Uh, as an aside, Michelle Williams took the role of Anne Wayne because she wanted to work with Hardy. So in a way, Lewis is responsible for her casting too. <laughs> and I bet she blames him to this day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Jackie, Earl, Jackie Earl Haley, who uh, I'm not sure if anybody knows, Rorschach from the Watchmen movie. Yeah, Rorschach and the in... second uh, Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare yeah. on Street remake. <laughs> exactly. He was interested in the role of Cletus Cassidy, but oh. they'd obviously got uh, already got Harrelson in mind for this one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, another few facts. Uh, the scene in the restaurant where Eddie climbs into the lobster tank is a last-minute decision by Hardy during rehearsal. According to the uh, the director, he came to the filming, saw the water tank in the middle of the restaurant and said, I'm going to get inside that. <laughs> the director thought it was a good idea. The production designer... Not so much. We Are we sure that he wasn't just looking at Michelle Williams at this point? Yeah. <laughs> well, can't blame him that. He said, uh, but the production designer said, I didn't build it for someone to get into. So then they had to find a way to structure it so a human being could actually climb into it. Oh, with the uh, Obviously replacing the uh, the live lobsters that were in there with the uh, ones that were made from marshmallow and chocolate syrup though, so he could bite his teeth into them. I wouldn't put it past Tom Hardy just to bite a live lobster, given how unhinged he goes in this film. But yeah, it's you good to know he didn't quite go that method. <laughs> to get a bit Ozzy Osbourne, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's cool, that's fair enough. Going back to what we were saying earlier, apparently Tom Holland did film a cameo scene where he did appear mm. as Parker, not Spider-Man. But on the screening, Marvel Studios asked for it to be removed. Mm -hmm. I had heard that thing somewhere, yeah. Yeah, as an aside, you were also supposed to have a cameo in Into the Spider-Verse, but that was dropped through Marvel also. Yeah, because we had the um, the actual post-credits even on the Blu-ray that I watched for Venom. It's just a scene from Into the Spider-Verse, and it's so weird that they've kept that even on the Blu-ray, because I can understand like they're promoting that as the next big thing when Venom came out in the cinema. But it's just so weird that that's like, considered as a, ooh, now next lead elsewhere in the Spider-Verse, this is happening, and... It's that, a very so, strange so. thing. You get the impression that they still, at this point, have no idea what they do. <laughs> I get that impression from Sony anytime they release anything. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> anything they release that's good just tends to be from just dumb luck <laughs> or Marvel <laughs> taking the reins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and what, yeah. You, you, you do wonder if, with what the, what the word of mouth Morbis is getting, if they're going to go cap in hand back to Feige at some point and just say, okay, we need a bit more mm. help. Yeah, um, without wanting to get into spoilers, I, I, having heard what one of the post-credit scenes is in Morbius, I am not happy because it reeks of Sony being, oh, we know what we're doing now. Yeah, uh, we, I've, yeah. It, I've heard the same thing about one of the post-credit <laughs> scenes and I'm just like, yeah. ah, if I see that on TV, I'm just going to want to kick the screen in. <laughs> Which again, that's the experience of watching a lot of the Sony movies, to be fair. Yeah. 
yeah. Oh man, it's just such a shame. After No Way Home, if Morbius is a huge letdown, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be kind of all the worse, I think. But we'll see. Definitely. As you said, hopefully, uh, if if it does bomb spectacularly, at least even critically, then as you say, maybe Sony will have the sense to be like, hey, Marvel, <laughs> do you want some more characters? So. <laughs> One would hope so. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy. He stated that one of the influences on Venom's voice was singer James Brown. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. He would record Venom's lines at the start of the day and then play them back in an earpiece so he could react on camera to the voice, which is something he did similar when he played twins in the craze film Legend. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's where he picked it up from, and he wanted to do that same thing for Venom. Yeah, that um, makes sense. A little, a little bit of a sad one here. Uh, it was the final movie release to feature a cameo from stan during his lifetime oh was it oh yeah. yeah though he appeared in captain marvel avengers endgame after this those cameos were released were filmed obviously prior but released after mm. his death so this is kind of the last one that was uh that was released while while the good man was still alive oh, talk about an ignominious ending <laughs> yeah yeah but it could have been worse it could have been uh let there be carnage <laughs> he's done some worse ones as well i mean the one in deadpool as much as the film's good the stanley cameo in that one's kind of like what are we doing <laughs> yeah it's a bit cringe that isn't it yeah but having said that i never understood why stanley cameos in like particularly in venom because he's got nothing to do with the creation of that character no <laughs> it doesn't make all. any sense <laughs> but you do kind of but he, at that point it kind of become expected it's a marvel film stan's going to be in it and I think it's hard from the it. MCU, but yeah, I mean, even then, it's questionable when it happens. I mean, I I, I forgive them for the Captain America cameo because he he is the one that brought the character back and brought him to popularity, even though he didn't again have anything to do with the creation of the character. But yeah. when you get characters like Venom and Deadpool and like very most of the the most popular like seventies X Men, he didn't create any of them. <laughs> No, no. So yeah, public perception. I think just in case anybody does think, not that he didn't create a million fantastic characters, but yeah, just because it's a cameo by Stanley doesn't mean he was involved in any way with the character. So <laughs> uh, don't assume that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, it's yeah, weird because there should be there should be a cameo really by like David Michelini or, or Todd McFarlane in the film, but there isn't. So. No, no. Yeah, you, you know, you would think, you know, please. Uh, I'm not sure if they're crediting them, but people like Dan Slott and things like that. Mm. I think they usually get special thanks in the credits as uh, about the best they can expect. So. Yeah. It's, mm. I don't know. Um, especially when it comes to people like Jim Starlin after creating Guardians and Thanos and stuff like that, and they don't really get much. Yeah, Rocket Raccoon, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a thankless task sometimes working for these companies. Yeah, well, this is big corporations, unfortunately. Not that it's, a, a, you know, acceptable, but it's a, it's properly just the way of the world but uh yeah fair enough did you have anything else because i have a couple of random easter eggs that, no, I found no, that, that, that was uh, that was my uh, my few points of interest so go for it uh, the only things i found out were because it was actually on the blu-ray that i watched because yes right. i do have both of these on blu-ray so if anybody else has watched the blu-ray and you know this i apologize it's going to be boring but um there are actually easter eggs which do credit the actual creators and the people responsible for venom uh, which i really liked um i forget now exactly where it is but i think that's like a michelini law firm featured in the background of something or other um, right. in one of the scenes um and again i don't know where it is i think it might be the name of like a hotel or a shop or something somewhere is named for and this is really obscure and i love it the guy who came up with the original uh, idea for the spider-man black costume 
because that was a random, as any Marvel fan, I'll tell you, that was a random, like, um, mailing your design to uh, members of the public uh, kind of idea. It wasn't like the Marvel editors or people that actually worked in comics. Just a random Spider-Man fan invented the black costume that would eventually become Venom. That. Yeah. Um, and it, it, there's been all kinds of, like, rigmarole, because obviously when it comes to who invented Venom, the only people credited tend to be David Michelini and Todd McFarlane. But this chap was like, well, you fair enough, you bought my idea because it was a competition and whatever but i really think in terms of who invented the character of venom given that i invented the black suit that's like 90 percent of the work done for you you know so, yeah yeah well, it's a bit of an odd claim to fame you can just imagine him he's sat in some convention bar somewhere saying i invented the uh, i invented the venom costume and someone next <laughs> is going yeah yeah shut up <laughs> yeah but it is kind of like that because like i said he hasn't really made any money out of it because it was just like you know what one of those things where you enter any competition that's like we have your rights to do this it's now officially owned by marvel studios and whatever um but yeah it is it's a, it's a shame he didn't get the credit but it, i'd like that at least there's a reference to this random chap in there in this movie um so that's pretty cool uh yeah, i did have that. a few with us as well um in start of the movie uh, the astronaut who they say that they're checking is still alive when they've been uh, returning from whatever asteroid they've got the symbiotes from uh, is Jameson. John Jameson. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's J. Jonah Jameson's son from the comics and uh, a character who would become Man-Wolf. It, it, it's comics. It's a whole thing about moon and magic <laughs> diamonds and just just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Elsa Bloodstone movie. I want that announced. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few other things, obviously, uh, but I'll get into them like as we go because there's a few little like random appearances that are from the comics and a few lines and stuff, but they're kind of big Easter eggs when we hit them when I'm talking about the review of the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, are you ready to get into the, the, the bulk of the review then? I am. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll just go through the movie. I'll try like, not to hit everything, but I've got a few sort of talking points and stuff to hit about them uh, because we've got to hit, obviously, both of them. So um, starting with the very first Venom movie then, um, it's always a good sign when you see the Marvel uh, logo and then your heart just sinks a little bit as the words in association with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're really pumped and then you oh. <laughs> Yay! Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> There's a Simpsons joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the intro to the first Venom is really kind of weird because it's very sci-fi-ish and I, I always forget that it's, it opens it out of space and it's very much, you know, where the, the space rockets have got the symbiotes and return to Earth, uh, which is also basically the origin that they use for Venom almost exactly in the Spider-Man 90s cartoon uh, because they didn't want to... In the comics, again, it's a whole mess of, like, they introduced yeah. the black costume during the Secret, Secret Wars... Wars. Yeah, and then um, it was revealed that that was the symbiote all along, but it was several issues later before it had sort of started to take him over and become its own personality and stuff. Um, and the 90s TV show did weirdly adapt The Secret Wars, but in its fifth season, <laughs> and they adapted Venom in the first season. So they had to come up with a new uh, sort of, like I said, backstory for where it came from, and they did exactly this. It was John Jameson was on a space mission. Uh, his space capsule happened to encounter the symbiote, which landed and then attached itself to Peter Parker, obviously. Not in this movie, but yeah. So um, it's interesting that they took that idea where they had to kind, kind of write out. Like Jimmy Olsen's treated in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Who is John Jameson, you mean? Yeah. He survives, to be fair. Yeah. But he's there. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> 
I'm surprised they, uh, in the first movie particularly, I'm really surprised they used like an actual Spider-Man cast member. I know they have the rights, but they seem in the first movie to be really avoiding it. Like there's no reference to Daily Bugle or anything like that. It's just, no, no, we can't. <laughs> we got, it. and yeah. then by, by let there be carnage, it's like, Psh, screw it. Daily Bugle, don't care. Yeah. Mutants, we <laughs> caution to the wind, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just thought, you know what? We might not have this license that long if we keep going the way we are. Let's just do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, as I said, we, we get that. Um, we're introduced here to the Life Foundation, who are going to become the villains of the movie, because technically, I suppose, Venom should be the villain if you were doing the origin straight up. But they have to have somebody, so why not? They are an actual thing from the comics. Um, I, I, personally, I think this is the first example of really crappy CGI as well. Um, and the it's when the symbiotes kind of first crash and they start to take people over. Uh, it just doesn't, to me, to my eye, this particular scene, it, it's only in this intro, like the rest of the film tends to be a lot better. But in this intro scene, when you're being introduced to the symbiotes and it's taking over random like women paramedics and stuff, it just looks really crap. Oh, the even it's it's from one, one host to another kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that that scene in the market, it that you know where he turns up. Oh, there's there's suddenly a gang, a threatening gang that just turns <laughs> up and says, "Yeah, I want to fight." And you just think, "My God, it's like watching the the old nineteen nineties Flash series." <laughs> hey, that series was a lot better. <laughs> I will not have you seeing this. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Just uh, a gang turned up. We need a fight, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously it's revealed the Life Foundation were kind of hunting for these symbiotes, and that's what they've they've uncovered a few of them because again, you need actual threats. So there are several that they've uncovered from an asteroid, uh, except the one that uh, escapes, which we will later learn is the Riot symbiote, which I always forget. I always think it's the Venom symbiote, but no, weirdly, it's it's not. It's the Riot symbiote. Yeah, so. I did that on the rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> Because it feels like it's following, like, yeah, like it's the lead character, but weird. I feel like I've got some kind of Mandela effect. And I've only watched it a couple of times. Yeah, very weird. Um, But yeah, so we we move from here into the kind of the domestic part of things in San Francisco. Uh, Is it just me or, or Eddie and Anne, like the weakest? worst portrayed couple in cinema their banter is some of the wickest i've ever like i do not believe for a second these two are a couple it's like some really bad writer is scripted like oh what kind of jolly japes do couples say to each other it's it's perfect dialogue if you were you know writing for days of our lives (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) so yeah obviously it reveals that eddie had um, something called the eddie brock report which is like an expo type thing. Uh, he he should be working for the Daily Bugle, but again, this film's trying to avoid that, so they've changed all that. Um, but he has got an interview with Carlton Drake, uh, and this talk of him being like uh, a multi-billionaire who's using rockets, but he's also a crook and doesn't give a crap for humanity, to which I'm like, this is very forward thinking, isn't it? Is this guy Elon Musk? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's like space travel, billionaire, doesn't care about human life. Hang on. He just, just needs a couple of kids with very odd names. <laughs> yeah. Come along, X, Y, Z, and four to the second power. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that this basically gives way to what would become the date night for Eddie and Anne, uh, where he finds out that her firm's working for the Life Foundation and for the head of it, Carlton Drake. Again, another character from the comics. Um, 
which again, very convenient. One of those things that in, in a good, well-written movie, you wouldn't notice. But in this film, I'm like, that is, that is mighty convenient. <laughs> she, she's an investigative journalist and his girlfriend just happens to be working for the one guy he's like investigating. I was like, yeah, that's that's one too many coincidences right there. But well, it's, it's Sony, isn't it? It's the one that had Gwen <laughs> Stacy lurking, working for Oscorp in Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and then, nobody, um, nobody ever gets, you know, work experience in like the local supermarket in these movies. No, apart from Mrs. Chen, <laughs> seems to be living there just all the time now. I've worked for Mrs. Chen. She's awesome. <laughs> I did note that, that this really kind of rode me the wrong way because they t they tried to sort of allude to Eddie Brock's backstory from the comics, but in a really crap way. Because um, yeah. Anne tells him, like, oh, you haven't had a job since you were uh, ran out of New York because of the Daily Globe incident. And I was like, that's clanky, that is. You know what I mean? It's we all know like, what you're referring to. Yeah, it's almost like they were refused to mm -hmm. use the name. Yeah, and to sort of just explain, because his backstory, as, you know, again, as comic fans know, should be, you know, he's faked pictures of Spider-Man in that case, but you could potentially see anybody. Uh, and then he's found out to be a fraud and he's fired and he blames Parker and Spider-Man for all his troubles. And then the symbiote connects with him and it's angry at the same people. And that's where the idea maybe, of Venom comes from. He was never a maybe hero. Maybe they just know? wanted a different <laughs> angle so people wouldn't confuse it with, you know, Spider-Man 3. You say that, but I think they've tried their best, even with Eddie's like, because I was going to say that with his investigation into Drake, that he's like, I will investigate him, people who are employing me. And so he still does lose his job. And it's still because of like crap journalism and the fact that he basically steals information from his own girlfriend. And I was like, they've copied so much of the Eddie Brock like backstory from the comics and from, like you said, like Spider-Man 3 and stuff that it's like, why did they feel the need to stick that rigidly to it in a way? Because without Spider-Man, it doesn't really work for me. Um, yeah. I was curious if you thought like, oh, I mean, it's it's fine. It works in terms of setting up that he's not just a straight up bad guy, I guess. But uh, yeah, what it, were your it, thoughts it, on the change? <laughs> it is very disjointed. I can see why they're trying to distance itself from the Topher Grace version in you know, Spider-Man mm. 3. But it's... It just comes across a bit janky, like, okay, they have put a bit of thought into it, but not a lot of thought. Yeah. And at Sunday at Sony's just like brush their hands and go, well, good enough. Yeah. It's, yeah. And again, it's just, it seems even cliche when it's like he gets fired and then Anne breaks up with him because she finds out what he's done. And he never seems to face any consequences for that, which is like a really douchey thing to do, that he basically slept with his girlfriend and then was like, ooh, I'll hack your emails and find this out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... The movie wants us to think he's really hard done by, and I'm like, no, he was actually a douche. He did do a bad thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I know it's to get across the whole loser thing, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a line between being a lovable loser and yeah. being just a bit of a knob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, it's not really like Eddie Brock in the comics ever was like a loser character. He was a dick, but he wasn't like a loser, you know? Yeah, he the, yeah, he was kind of the guy that you were like, oh, he's the bully that would beat up Peter Parker because he blames him for stuff. And like I said, that that characterization of him in these movies is like he's just a loser who wants to try and be a hero. Is very yeah. yeah I, th <laughs> I think this is the problem by this is the problem with having the character as an anti-hero. Yeah, 
you've got to get from A to B as quickly as possible. You've not had yeah, all the years of development that you have in the books, whereas, yeah, he started off just being a complete dickhead, and now he's an <laughs> exactly. anti-hero. You've got to get straight to the anti-hero thing, and other than making him a complete dickhead right at the start of the movie, the yeah. only other way to go is kind of making this down-on-a-look character, but it doesn't quite work. No, I think, as I said, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it in my conclusion later, but I just think particularly as an origin story, Venom doesn't work without Spider-Man because that's that's his motivation for everything. Yeah. And without Spider-Man there, I mean, first of all, they don't have the white spider on the costume because it wouldn't make any sense to. And yet they just don't explain why, you know, his eyes and everything looks like a Spider-Man mask, which is already yeah. like, <laughs> whatever, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. And then, like I said, the idea that Venom as an entity wants, like, revenge on Parker for rejecting it and Brock wants revenge on the guy who he blames for losing his job. And then, as you said, from there, gradually they go for less and less villainous to like, oh, Carnage is here and now he's worse. And then it's after many years that you say, like you said, that we get the lethal protector comics that they're so fond of where Venom's like, well, let's become an anti-hero and only eat bad people. And, you know, we'll do because of the popularity of things like the Punisher and stuff around that era in the 90s. It was like, well, what other characters have we got that could uh, appeal to these, you know, <laughs> For want of a better word, these kind of hardcore edgelord boys that are like, no, oh, we don't want to yeah. read about Captain America being a Boy Scout. Let's read about <laughs> Venom biting heads off. Yeah. I want somebody with lots of blades and pouches. It's <laughs> 100%, yeah, exactly. But we can't draw their feet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, cannot, I, I cannot believe some of the crap that they were pouring out in the 90s. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not wrong. Any any of the like X Men, X Force, Extreme, or whatever that was out, yeah. which as you said, was all just like how many belts and cables and bandoliers and bullet holes can we put on these people? And it was look at Strife. You know he's a villain because he's just full of blades. <laughs> exactly, and but that is like kind of that, that. A lot of people said this film is like a kind of '90s throwback in that way because that is the plot they're adapting. It's when Marvel got silly and was like, "People like the symbiotes. Let's invent five new ones." Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't need to do that. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I briefly wanted to go back into the the scene with um, Drake, like taking people around his. Uh, uh, whatever it is, his like foundation or whatever, um, and it's incredibly grown worthy when uh, one of the kids is like told to shush, and he's like, "Do not silence these next generation." I was like, "Oh yeah. come on, this is so cheesy." But the um, thing is, you can see someone like Musk doing that. Probably, yeah, you're probably right, but uh, it is kind of good that um, we we do get the. Eddie kind of going full Paxman on him and it's kind of like, all right, I can kind of buy that even though you're going about it in the wrong way, you might have noble intentions, but then it ruins everything by a reference to fake news, which I was like, oh, oh that yeah. dates the movie horribly and it just drags in politics that you didn't need to have. Yeah. There, you know, what I mean? think, you, know I, I, you think that it's, uh, it happened quite a lot with everything around that time. And you just think, look, several years from now, I do not want to be reminded of that person. Yeah. Okay. So there's, as I said, Eddie's basically uh, chewing this guy out because there's been reports of gene therapies that have led to deaths and uh, he's trying to find cures for Earth's diseases and stuff, which again is um, a similar origin to what they gave to Venom in the Ultimate comics because they were trying to be, uh, as they started out, they were trying to be more grounded and not as science fiction-y, I guess, as the main line comics. So the Venom yeah. symbiote in that case was literally just like a genetic creation that was designed to cure disease and then it went wrong and 
there's nothing to do with aliens or symbiotes from outer space in that version. So I thought that was a nice little kind of reference back to that. Uh, if you had to feed that into the, the story somewhere, which fits the life foundation idea quite well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And as you said, the fact that there's a billionaire who thinks he's God's gift and yet doesn't care about people dying, sadly quite prescient probably to real life. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we meet the symbiotes and uh, Drake has sort of, um, we've had it explained that there's been a few, but they're all kind of in there and they're looking for the right host. But there is one possessed woman, Luce, uh, who um, passes it on, this paramedic, to uh, what I think is a, a, another elderly Chinese lady um, who makes the worst little CGI blade arm thing that you've ever seen, oh. like the pre-Terminator 2 special effect, yeah. and then wanders off. And this is where the film really peed me off. Then we just get the caption, six months later, and it's like explains in the entirety of this next scene that it's been six months the symbiotes are weak because they need the right host to bond with or they'll die every host that they've had has been drained within like days and yet this elderly chinese lady for six months has been wandering around with this symbiote perfectly healthy just kicking about not doing anything it's like who wrote this movie that yeah. didn't realize that glaring error right there you know what i mean and it's and and like it's it's I don't want to dwell on minutiae because you know you get you get to the point where you think, all right, it's a comic book movie. How seriously are we supposed to take this? But it's like the little girl. Yeah. No one questions this little girl going through customs or anything. Does mm. no one check that she's accompanied? She just she's <laughs> there. She walks through like she's just this businesswoman catching a flight. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I mean. You just get the impression that they've like they've they've give it a couple of passes and think it's good yeah, enough. That'll do <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. but ah uh, oh, well, um, we briefly get a shot of Eddie who's kind of drunk, but um, you know we have to reaffirm that he's a nice guy because he's the protagonist, so he's generous to the homeless lady. So <laughs> we we have that bit of backstory the there. One homeless lady. <laughs> That he stumbles upon later. Yeah, exactly. And she's only there because later she's going to get sort of taken for the experiments and we can have that moment of, I recognise this person. Yeah. I don't care about the other homeless people that you've killed. You've probably murdered like 17 others, but, you know, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, we're introduced to Mrs. Chen, your favourite character. There's some painfully, in quotes, funny banter between him and Mrs. Chen that, like, ugh, I, maybe you like it. If you do, fair play to you. It's just so bad for me. It's like, are you being served some mother's do have them level of comedy? <laughs> it is, but I don't know. I just love Mrs. Chen. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm fair enough. That's fair enough. But yeah, it, it is also weird that the film goes out of its way to show that like she's being held up by this protection racket, but Eddie just doesn't do anything about it because he's such a coward. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you've went out your way to show that he's generous, but now you're showing like, oh, but I'm too cowardly to do anything. Is that so that we can be like, but now you have the power of the symbiote, you can, yay, when he gets I it. I kind of like that. I kind of I kind of like that it goes against the whole, the, whole, the whole superhero thing where, you know, earlier in, in the movie he, he'd turn up, try and do something, and then just get the crap beaten out of him. I like that the fact that he showed, yeah, this guy's a coward. Yeah. I, yeah, I can kind of buy it, but it just seems weird that it's when you're supposed to be rooting for him. But like, like I said, again, maybe that's the point. It's like, oh, if, the, if he had power... He would have done something about it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we cut back to Carlton Drake, who's doing the trials and stuff. Um, <laughs> in case we didn't get the picture that he's playing God, we get multiple incredibly like clanky biblical allegories to 
your Isaac and this Bible thing. And I was like, oh, come on. Again, this is dialogue written by a six-year-old at this stage. But, you know, we get the picture. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, he's trying to give the new hosts that he's basically accumulated to the symbiotes. The first one he tries is a blue one. I have no idea what this one's called. I couldn't be bothered to look it up. I'm sure there is a name in the comics. They all have them. Yeah. If you're bothered, go look it up. I couldn't get it. I couldn't be bothered when I were reading about them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So anyway, excuse me. Um, so yeah, the blue goo takes over the guy and basically kills him and almost dies and then eventually does die because it doesn't have the right host. And I was like, this could have been a really effective horror scene, but it's really tame. Like they were scared to even go for it. I was like, when you think about what's happening here, this alien parasite is latching onto a human, draining him of all of his life force, then killing itself. And you get like a brief shot of the guy going, ah, no, like he's just stubbed his toe and then cut away to just people's reaction of like, no, oh, I guess it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's so disappointing. <laughs> I've, I, have to, I have to point out, though, I do like uh, Jenny Slate in this. Yes, yeah. Really, she, she, she actually saves those scenes. Yeah. Did you This is such a random tangent, but do you remember when they first brought out the trailers for the movie? And everybody was kicking off because Jenny Slate pronounced it symbiote yeah. <laughs> instead of symbiote. <laughs> and then in the movie, they've actually changed it. They've went back and redubbed it because of the complaints. I love that. That's to so be honest, funny. they were probably thinking, look, we need as much, we need to save as much of this as we can. <laughs> yeah. In in instead of just crapping on this movie, I will point out some of the stuff it does good. And I like how subtle it is that the homeless lady is suddenly missing. And it doesn't draw attention to it. It's just Eddie walks past and her like cardboard box and stuff's there, but she's not there. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. a really cool little bit of sort of. And speaking of that sort of similar foreshadowing, Eddie seems like he's talking to himself when he's going around the grocery store and stuff until it's revealed that he's talking to Jenny Slate. And I was like, oh, that's fun because he will eventually be talking to himself. And yeah, it's a nice little, uh, yeah. ah, I see what you've done there. <laughs> so, excuse me. But Eddie's at his lowest point. He doesn't want anything to do with uh, Jenny Slate. And, of course, because he's at his low point, on cue, here comes Anne and the new boyfriend. Because, again, this movie was written by a six-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most pain by numbers. I'm at my lowest point. I don't care about human life anymore. What am I going to do? Oh, here's my ex and her new boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, of course. Life never happens like that. I mean, nobody's ever that fortunate that <laughs> things to happen coincidentally around them, like what happens to Eddie. And nobody's ever that unlucky that, like, everything crap comes on him at once. But... Again, oh, it's a know. comic book I've had, movie. I've had, I've had some weight, man. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I think we can, we probably all have, if I'm honest about that. I, I, I retract that. that I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've never been uh, played host to an alien symbiote. But, uh... <laughs> but yeah, this is, again, this scene really annoys me. I, not to be, I swear there's some positives here, but I was annoyed that on him sort of reaching his low point and seeing Anne and her boyfriend, it's like it's whizzing through every one of the steps of his journey that it needs to, and there's no emotional connection. The film just no. knows that it wants to get to the next beat. So he, like, goes, stares at the river for a bit, and then calls Jenny Slate and suddenly is interested. But there's been no sense of a change of heart or why from anywhere. It's just, like, it happens because it had to in the plot. And yeah. I was like, he, like he still feels as miserable, if not more, you know? So, yeah. He does have yeah. a Sorry, what fairly quickly. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, from nowhere. It's not motivated from anything. It's like, he, you know, if he'd seen, even if he'd seen, like, oh, her boyfriend's such a nice guy, maybe I need to try to be nicer or whatever. But no, it's just, I'm miserable. 
I feel like I'm going to jump off this bridge. Oh, I know. I'll just ring Jenny Slate and see what all this, you know, potential yeah. murder is all about. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I have no idea what that character's called, by the way. I'm sure I did write it down at one point, but I just called her Jenny Slate throughout because it's Jenny Slate, and it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all I know her as. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Uh, she basically fills us in on the exposition of you know finding aliens on the comet and as we're heading into the lab we're doing that west wing walk and talk and we're just exposition dumped uh, you know we call them symbiotes we call them hosts i was like this is awful dialogue to explain the most basic thing that we all know by this point like literally she says we call them symbiotes and then a sentence later we call the people that they attach to hosts i was like we know this this is like <laughs> basic science for crying out loud but uh anyway uh, Eddie, the great investigative reporter, uh, when he knows he's going into this thing to try and bust something open, has brought a camera phone because, yeah, <laughs> whatever. As you do. <laughs> As you do. That's definitely the most safe and secure way to get all of your pictures, isn't it? Yeah. I hope you've charged your frigging battery, Eddie, for whatever. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he basically sees the poor homeless woman and uh, poop hits the fan and the goo transfer you know, um, transfers from her because it's it's looking for new hosts and everything. Uh, hits Eddie and we get the escape by generic action scene and some knockoff Matrix effects. <laughs> Just like, oh, it's such a shame. It was real bad. <laughs> it was like, yeah, we could have done better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when Eddie gets home, of course, he's now got the symbiote. So we get the traditional, again, really cliche, he's drunk or he's high, wobbly camera effect. Um, he goes over the top drinking a lot of water, which doesn't really track with anything because the symbiote at no point says that it needs water, but okay. <laughs> uh, but you do get the cool thing where he's like raw frozen food and meat and he seems to kind of eye it and like, oh, I want to eat this and then, you know, vomits and stuff. And <laughs> when the and venom the eyes appear in his reflection in the bathroom mirror, again, awful CGI. It's yeah. so bad. It's X-Men Origins Wolverine level bad in that particular moment. No, no, uh, let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> but I was just like, this is the pivotal he's got power scene? This? Oh, whatever. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so yeah, again, we hit back to the Life Foundation. There's one successful guy who's got the symbiote, but it's all really fast and confusing, so I couldn't really get any impact here because you know, what's going on here at this point? And then it's revealed that it was the Asian woman who passed it on and then they were able to get it and it is the riot symbiote and what's going on? <laughs> I don't know at this point. <laughs> See, Jenny Slate is an ace in this, but you just come away with the feeling that Riz Ahmed is just wasted. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, it's a paycheck completely for him, isn't it, really? It's so much better than this. Yeah, um, but anyway... So, yeah, the, the very first time we hear the Venom voice, which, as you've said, is just Tom Hardy again, uh, which I didn't realise the first time I saw the movie, but, yeah, it is just him doing a different voice. Uh, the first time is played like slapstick, uh, which it, it kind of works because then you get, like you said, that lobster scene, which sort of he improvised, I guess, and he's going ridiculously over the top and being all squirrely and stuff, and I was like, the sad thing is this is the film finding its voice because it realises it's going to only really survive by being a schlocky, like, quote-unquote, bad movie. Yeah, but it works. That's it what does it work. Does. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it's like, ha, huh, why am I liking it more now when it's going over the top? And it's like, because you've got to. And I guess that's what Tom Hardy must have seen somewhere along the way. It was like, oh, we'll get the exposition and the intro stuff out of the way. Then once I've got the goo, I'm just going crazy because why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah, let's just cue that scenery. 
Exactly. And heck, he does. So, yeah. Um, speaking of which, he gets basically taken to a hospital because uh, Anne's new boyfriend is conveniently a doctor. Uh, goes into the MRI machine and naturally it causes the Venom symbiote to go nuts. I really like the effect of this. I thought it worked really well when it's like his face superimposing with the Venom face and it's sort of, it appears all scratchy as it's like screaming in pain and stuff. I was like, huh, that's not yeah. a bad effect. Um, yeah. I did note that they could have, the scene itself had no music and I thought that was a bad decision because it saves you from having any kind of tension and it just seems bland. But I was like, if you put tense music over this scene or horror music over this scene, it would improve it like 10 times. So it strikes me as weird that the director didn't decide to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I've not, not picked up on that actually. Good point. Yeah, it's the only time because I was like, there's no background noise on music and that's a weird decision to play that silent unless you're basically saying... We need to hear the sonic sounds to know that's what happens. But literally the very next scene is Jenny Slate's being caught. The symbiote's consuming a host now. And we get the exposition that sonic sounds harm it. I was like, well, that's the next scene anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Drake laments how the design of humans is too poor. Just again, in case his god complex was a little bit too subtle. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And let's be honest, this isn't a film not known for its subtlety. Yeah, well, apart from a couple of moments, but yeah. Uh, so Eddie, of course, being the put-upon guy, has neighbours with loud music that he didn't wasn't able to respond to previously. He was just, like, impotently angry without saying anything to them. Uh, and now the music brings out the Venom face, and he's mad. And they play it for the really broad joke while he threatens the neighbour who was, like, hilariously scared. And I was like, oh, you've got to be careful. There is a line here, and I'm sorry, but at this point you've tipped it too far in the other direction of, like... <laughs> Come on, this is this is a Looney Tunes cartoon at this stage, you know. But that's, as we say, that's when it works better. <laughs> I think sometimes, but like I say, you've got to find the line. I think when it goes over into too much cliche of like, "Oh, keep the noise down, Mister Alien Man." Oh, it's like, no, <laughs> come on, no. <laughs> you know? but, uh, oh, yeah. I take that. I take the stuff like that though over the earlier exposition. Anyway. Well, yeah, you're not wrong over clunky exposition. But uh, yeah, so anyway, Jenny Slate sells out Brock and gets blue gooed, which effectively kills her and the other surviving symbiote, leaving only Venom and Riot, if you've been keeping up. I, I wasn't, but I was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, the security guys come to claim the symbiote. Uh, Venom bickering with Eddie is really good. And there's a decent little action scene with some decent music and direction, finally. Um, this is the scene when he's basically on the bike and the symbiote has taken control and he's getting chased by the security guards. Probably the best scene in the movie for me. Like I said, it I really kicks off. Yeah. And, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I mean, car chases these days, they're a dime a dozen. You, they're, they're just filler for the most part in most films. But yeah. this actually kind of worked. Yeah, completely. And I think it's because Ruben Fleischer is like an <laughs> acting director, um, the director of the movie, and he, yeah, he... He doesn't keep it generic because of all the things that the symbiote can do. And this is his chance to be like, it will let him like look like he's going to fly off his bike. And then he's attached by the symbiote tendrils and pops back down to it and stuff. And the symbiote's taking out people for him while he's just seemingly a passenger. And I was like, this is really, really good. Um, There's the first reference to Venom wanting to bite heads off, which, you know, <laughs> I guess is cursory at this point. Um, yeah. The full reflection of Venom in the car is really well done. Again, it's quite a cliche. They've done it with the Green Goblin and Spider-Man and stuff. But the fact that Eddie has to talk to him and he hasn't yet done that, I'm going to pop out and form a face thing so that you actually see like Eddie talking into a reflection that is fully Venom. Really good scene. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, apologies. I'm actually turning around on the movie now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, 
the odd kind of couple buddy cop action vibe really works between Eddie and the symbiote. And I think, again, that's something that Hardy and the filmmakers picked up on. Um, the use of drones and stuff. The idea of the, the Venom using a car door as a blast shield <laughs> is a yeah. really cool little, ah, nice touch. Um, See, the thing is, when you saw that, I, I don't know how you felt, but when I, when I watched the trailer and I saw that bike chase, it looked awful. It looked terrible. Hmm. But in the final film, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that bit. Probably just finalising the effects and stuff. I don't remember thinking yeah. anything too much about it, to be honest. But, yeah, hmm. it somehow works because of the tone of the film at this point. So, yeah. And then, as I said, this is where you get the big reveal that was in all the trailers and everything. So it's the first time that we see in person the symbiote fully enveloping uh, Brock and the appearance of Venom, uh, who's, you know, um, I don't love the veins that are there to replace the white spider symbol or the unexplained mask, like I said. Um but it is kind of cool that he basically is like, oh, screw this, and bites the guy's head off. Not so cool that you just don't see it. It's totally off screen and there's no blood because it's supposed to be like a whatever PG-12 rated movie. So yeah. I was like, oh, this, that's the one thing that's like, if you're going to do the head biting, just do it, you know? But whatever. We, I suppose in a way it would be too severe, but yeah. And again, this is where we get the first appearance of the symbiote that like makes a little face that's formed to talk to him. But I will say... The Venom voice in this scene, it's the only time I noticed it, but in this one scene just sounds like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Oh, <laughs> I don't God, know if it's, something if it's something they've just done with like the resonance effects or something on this one scene, but when it's like, Eddie, yeah, we had to eat that man. And I'm like, I'll, I'll get, get you next time. time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, Eddie basically uh, is stalking Anne. Um, he tries to leave evidence at the old office of what's been going on at the Life Foundation because he's been fired. Um, but he has to fight off the symbiote wanting to eat the guard because the guard isn't innocent. And again, this could have been terrible, but the fact that they play it for the laughs, I think, really just saves it. Because if it had been played dead straight, it's like, no, we can't eat innocent people. But playing it as like this, like I said, buddy cop, like, oh, can I eat him? No, we can't eat innocent. Oh, but I'm hungry. Come on, man. It's like, it kind of really works for me. And, uh, yeah, there's almost a moment to breathe for the movie, and then there's, like, a big sonic disruption from a grenade or something, and the second brilliant fight sequence kicks off almost immediately after the first, which I love. And, the uh, yeah, the, you get the symbiote saying, you know, if you die, I die, so it catches them from falling and, uh, you know, points out that they're too good of a match and they're not so different, and we get the pure exposition dump. And then I will say, even though a lot of this stuff made me groan and I was like, even if it was good, fair enough, one moment I did actually laugh is when he finally took out all the guards and stuff and they're looking at the window and the symbiote goes, jump, and it cuts to the next scene and Eddie's just by an elevator that's opening and the symbiote just goes, pussy. pussy. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know why, but that's really funny. So, uh, yeah. We get an attack by the SWAT guys and a good use of, like, obscuring smoke and flares to hide Venom in the shadows, which isn't overplayed. It isn't, like, completely obscuring him, but it's, a, again, a great action scene. Yeah. Uh, and it reinforces to the symbiote from Eddie that he don't, doesn't eat policemen. Uh, and Anne finally sees Venom. And, again, I think they play this very broad. <laughs> they could have done it deadly serious or, like, dramatic, but it's so, yeah. I, I think it was the right choice, but Anne's kind of response to, like, what the is very... Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we, we find out, you know, he's being taken to the hospital, but the symbiote doesn't like the MRI because the sounds, sonic sounds are his kryptonite, and so is fire, which is literally dumped here just because it's exposition for later. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. The symbiote being like a relationship counsellor 
and saying sorry to you know say sorry to Anne and stuff is again really good. It shouldn't yeah. work, but it really it's something that I never thought would work. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. This the scene that you didn't really love uh, for like the creepy girl who got has the symbiote with the like echoey voice and uh, the eyes uh, as she grabs Carlton Drake. I was like, this is more like it because this is like pseudo horror that they could have played up all the more. Um, yeah. This is obviously to get the symbiote to him. Okay, this is kind of creepy and really good, and you could do this kind of thing with symbiotes, but it's too little too late at this stage, you know? Um, yeah, we go back to the hospital, and there's a sonic effect that separates uh, the symbiote, which it was said to have been killing Eddie, but that's later revealed to be a lie because we have to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> again, this is annoying because at this point, Eddie's been separated from the symbiote, and I'm like, this should be it. This should be the end of the movie. Should be like, right, hide it somewhere, keep it safe and secure, get it to the government or whatever. I don't care, just don't let it attach to me again. But yeah. instead, it escapes through a vent. <laughs> it just basically attaches itself to a dog in a scene straight from one of the uh, Venom comics. <laughs> and again, the Venom dog just stares at Anne. <laughs> like, we know what's coming here, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's trying to get to Eddie, but he's basically being captured and taken to the Life Foundation. So, yeah. Drake just basically starts being the stereotypical mad scientist with his whole, you're bleeding all over my lab. Uh, but then the yeah. transformation into Riot by Drake is actually quite a genuine shock. Uh, unfortunately, the symbiote design is pants because there's no distinctiveness to it at all. It other, just... than, other than a slight variation on the eyes, they are very similar. And well, they're too know, similar. That's the thing. Larger. I mean, yeah, it's just. I don't know if like it's it's part of the comic design or whatever, but to me it isn't because they have distinctive like bright colors, whether it's like orange or blue or whatever. But yeah, he just looks like Venom's black and he's dark gray. It's like how are we supposed to make a distinction between that? You know, doesn't he have like, slightly red veins though? I think he has some like red veins. highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, again, it's so similar though. Um, but anyway. This, again, key scene in the movie, we head to the woods where Eddie uh, tried to escape, and we get the appearance, of course, of She-Venom, because if you've got Anne Wing in your movie, you've got to have She-Venom. The yeah. fanboys would have expected it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, unfortunately, this is the scene where I don't... I think, again, it goes too far into the line because She-Venom bites, like, the uh, head off the guard who's chasing Eddie, and then, you know, it goes for the full-on kiss to transfer it back to Eddie because, you know, subtlety's dead. <laughs> so why not? And then it's just Anne's response of like, oh, I put a guy's head off as if it's like nothing and it's played for a joke. I'm like, all right, no, find the line. I mean, yeah. <laughs> at it's some like, point there is a level where you're like, no, this woman's traumatized for life now. You yeah. know what I mean? That, that, that didn't work for me, to be honest. Yeah, not me neither. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we get it revealed that the other symbiote is called Riot because Venom explains it which prompted me to ask, hang on, where did these names come from? These alien creatures have English names. Yeah. <laughs> which, again, it's explained in the comics as, like, you know, they take the name Venom, the symbiote, when it connects with Brock because it wants to be, like, poison to Peter Parker or whatever. And the others just take names that they think will fit their motifs. But in these movies, it's just like, we are an alien called Venom. We are called Riot. We are called Carnage. Why do you all have English names? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> again, comic book movie. What can we do? Um, yeah, it's revealed that Riot was the team leader. Uh, but uh, so, you know, we have to build up. He's, he's a strong force for Venom to defeat. He's the leader of them and he wants to start the invasion. So Anne can't come. Um, and Venom has decided not to join the invasion because he 
likes it here on Earth and he's bonded with Brock because they're both losers, which again, not what the character's supposed to be, but if that's what you're going with. Weirdly <laughs> enough, weirdly enough, I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but that is my favorite line in the film. Okay, fair enough. You know, I mean, I, I can say, it, say yeah. on my planet, I'm kind of a loser like you. Yeah, I, like I don't that. love it because uh, it's not really what the character should be, but again, no, but in, in the spirit <laughs> of the movie, I, I find yeah. that quite fun. Oh, yeah, the fact that this, <laughs> this stage they've realized that basically they've coded. Eddie and the symbiote as a gay couple, so to the point that you literally get the symbiote saying, "You are the reason I changed my mind, Eddie." And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, come on, you know what you're doing." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the launch is initiated, and Riot goes all spiky and stabby, and now he looks white with red highlights from somewhere. And yeah, Venom notices and just bigs Riot up to try and put him over with the audience. It's like, "Oh, what am I going to do?" Uh, we get the one f bomb of the movie. Seriously, this Riot design is absolute ass. It's goofy. I put a picture up to emphasize my point, but the one image of him like smiling ear to ear as he's looking at Venom is just so goofy. It's terrible. Um, and he does make cool weapons to try and emphasize how strong he is. But this entire end fight to me is like watching two melting piles of tar trying to have sex. It just devolves into absolute CGI nonsense. Mike, Mike, this yes. is seriously. What, what, what porn are you watching? Turn on my <laughs> You're watching two piles of tar have sex? What? It's like watching two piles of liquid tar <laughs> trying to hump each other. There's no like, there's no choreography and no pattern to it. It's just like, oh, what the heck? And I did read somewhere they were like, oh, we realized because they're liquid, we could do really cool fluid stuff with the fights. Yeah, but you shouldn't because we can't tell who's who or no. what the frick's going on. It's a, it's <laughs> a bit of a mess. Yeah. I mean, he even absorbs venom at one point which is so weird. Then Anne hits the incredibly convenient Sonics that are there, so we get a brief, like, human fight because the symbiotes have been separated. So there is a brief, like, fisticuffs between those two. And then I will give them the credit that when Drake starts doing his supervillain ramble, he just gets cut straight off. Which is like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's obviously, again, just to emphasize the kind of romantic coding, Eddie reaches for the Venom symbiote with his, like, engagement ring finger. Uh, and... It reattaches to him because it loves him. And it just ends like a cartoon as the bad CGI Venom talks to Riot inside the shuttle. Then he pierces the shuttle, causing a fire that, as we've been told, consumes Drake and Riot. Uh, and then it seemingly consumes him just because you have to have the absolute cliche moment of, the hero is dead. We are misleading you. So, <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to, to get through it as quick as I can, because we've got another movie to hit then. Uh, Anne and Eddie talk about how it's the interview of a lifetime. Uh, but Eddie's going to start doing it in print, which again is a hint to his like Daily Bugle backstory. <laughs> this is the greatest line in the movie because it's been used by like a few YouTube channels, like Screen Junkies and stuff, so well. But it's basically when Anne turns to him and goes, "Hey, I'm sorry about Venom." <laughs> it's like, they use that anytime about this movie. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, they kiss. You, they, you know, they talk about how oh, it felt kind of great to have that power inside you, but don't tell Dan. We'll win her back and. As you said, the Stanley cameo of don't give up on her, either of you, which again, doesn't really make a lot of sense, but whatever. Um, and we established the quick ground rules of, you know, going forward, we'll only eat bad people. Uh, and yeah, we go back to Mrs. Chen's and we get the infamous scene that was in all the trainers, uh, the trailers, sorry, where he finally decides he's going to take on these loan sharks and just gives the weirdest speech about how, oh, I'm going to eat your legs and your arms and you'll be floating by like a turd in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> What's going on? 
But uh, mm. yeah, it has to end with the at least uh, sort of cool "We Are Venom" as it's got half and half faces, which is good that they've acknowledged that because Spider-Man Three didn't do that whole pronoun thing, and it bugged me uh, that they should be calling themselves "We" when they're attached in that way. Um, I didn't like didn't, the effect. Uh, though. I, I, I thought the effect was a bit. Eh. It could have been better, yeah, definitely. But what can you really do? Because you've got like, it's well, yeah. almost entire CGI and then a part of a Tom Hardy face. It's a poor decision in a way, but as is the next scene, like I said, which is like, yeah, we're going to let you go, tell everybody we are Venom. Oh, on second thoughts. And he just eats them off screen. And I'm like, it's such a, it's played for the bad joke, but it just, you didn't need it. It's like you went one step too far. You could have just ended on we are Venom. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, where was I? Uh, there's a dumb little reference again to being a parasite or whatever, and they apologize, start acting like bickering lovers, and they're off into the night to be fateful dark heroes to the strains of Eminem. So there you go. <laughs> End of movie. Uh, the only other note that I've made is that when the credits came up, I noticed that Ludwig Göransson did the music for this movie, and I was like, wow. What happened to him between that movie and then suddenly becoming excellent when he did The Mandalorian? <laughs> There's nothing yeah. noteworthy or particularly it's good in this movie. But... Yeah, completely. Uh, but we have to talk about the mid credit scene, of course, because it does happen. We meet Krusty the Clown, I mean Cletus Cassidy, in, <laughs> uh, in jail. <laughs> and we get a not-so-subtle reference for the sequel of, oh, there's going to be carnage. And I'm like, why did you not just start with carnage instead of riot? Because now you've preempted him and made him look just like more of the same. So it's yeah. such a weird decision to do like a random symbiote nobody knows or cares about and then end your movie with, but stick around for the next movie because we'll get to Carnage. I was like, ugh, just yeah. And as I said, as I alluded to, that wig they've got Woody Harrelson in. I'm glad when they make the sequel, they abandon that because what on earth is that thing? <laughs> it were Harrelson that said, I do not want to wear that. <laughs> that's why that's why his hair's changed. He says that that wig did not fly. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. Anyway, um, so yeah, did you have any last thoughts before I go into like the uh, the, the nitty gritty of the favourite parts of the movie and such? Uh, I mean, I've got I've, I've got a, a, a little conclusion if if you want that. Or but well, no, we'll we'll hit that after we've done the favourite yeah, character that's, that's scene. Fine, mate. Go for it. Uh, so yeah, first first of all, then who was your favourite character in the movie? Uh, well. Other than Venom, you know, it, it's it's got to be Mrs. Chen. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. That's a very good choice. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, my favourite character I said was Anne, which is really weird. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because Michelle Williams is probably the best actor in this and she was kind of salvaging something out of nothing. But I just thought Anne was the most relatable and the only one that didn't basically do anything wrong apart from biting a head off, but that was really the symbiote. So I just felt... <laughs> that's a minor thing. <laughs> well, that was the symbiote, but I mean, like, morally, she was in the high ground, like, almost the entire time yeah. until that part. And I was like, she's the most relatable for me because she just seems like a genuine nice person who's caught up in this poop storm, you know? So, yeah, yeah that was my reasons for going with Anne, anyway. Well, <laughs> that and Michelle Williams is not a bad-looking woman. So. Well, no. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm going back to Jenny Slate here, but... Uh... I, not only do I think, yeah, Jenny Slate, she's gorgeous, but I think in the first half of the movie, she holds that movie up. Mm. Fair enough. But you picked Mrs. Chen, so... <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, Mrs. next then, what's Mrs. your... Mrs. Chen versus Jenny Slate. Right. <laughs> I don't want to watch that. 
anyway, uh, so yeah, the next thing, what's your favourite scene in the, the overall movie then? Uh, the one that we were talking about, I do like the, uh, the fight in the lobby. As you were right. saying with yeah, the gas, yeah. it's not overplayed and it's not uh, it's it's done quite well for what it is. Yeah, fair enough. My favourite was the scene before that, so it was the main action scene, like the motorbike through the streets, culminating in the reveal of Venom. So, yeah. yeah, that would have been that would have been my top, but uh, yeah, I mean they're both quite comparable, so yeah, that's fine. Yeah, awesome. And uh, what was your favourite line in the movie then? It's it's that one I said, you know, back on my planet, I'm kind of a loser like you. Yeah, my favourite line on the complete polar opposite of that, as I've already mentioned, was jump, pussy. <laughs> because it just made me laugh. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, right then, so uh, did you want to give a quick conclusion and a score out of five stars for the first Venom? Yeah, uh, despite my uh, initial misgivings, it had a, a lot more going for it than you'd at first think. Thanks to decent mm. performances by Hardy, Williams and, well, Ahmed when he had decent material. Which while, isn't very yeah, while it doesn't definitely doesn't reach the heights of some of uh, its cousins' offerings, it's a good. I mean, it's a decent, solid action movie, and it. What surprised me, it's got quite a lot of heart, especially in the banter between Venom and uh, Eddie. Yeah, okay, it's got some decent, good set pieces, and a refreshing comedy angle, which to me allowed it to stand out from other non-MCU offerings. Uh, cars out a niche of its own. I was more impressed, honestly, than I thought I would be, and I found it right. pretty good fun. Okay, <clears throat> so, so you'll score I'll, out of five. Then <laughs> I'll give it. Yeah, you're probably going to hate me for this, but I'm going to give it four. Right, that's fair enough. That's no problem. Uh, it, it is what it is. It's your honest opinion, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, so I'll give mine then now, just to compare uh, my conclusion. Again, it's a bit long-winded. I'm sorry. I just said. First of all, there's no reason you should ever contemplate making a Venom film, Venom film, especially an origin story, without Spider-Man because they're too interlinked. That's the movie I want to see, so I've always got to get over that disappointment and bias first. Uh, but I'm going to take a leaf out of the film's book and use a well-worn cliche. This film is basically a game of two halves. The first half is some of the blandest and weakest retreading of generic exposition that I've ever seen, as if the film itself thinks it's arbitrary and just wants it over with. But the turning points are twofold. When Venom starts bitching, and the cast, especially Hardy, seem to realise they just have licence to go big, starting with the lobster tank scene, uh, but also the pretty rad action scene that leads almost straight to another one, and then the two come together in the perfect little homoerotic buddy cop action flick with alien goo, <laughs> which, again, it's as ridiculous as that sounds, but it knows it and it has fun, so it's hard not to also feel that way as a viewer. Um, sadly, the climax is a bit of a disappointment for all the reasons I touched on, uh, and the film ends with characters that are so unrealistic they really are just cartoons, not to mention the pretty poor obligatory sequel tease. Uh, very rough going for a while, but in the end it swept me up, and by the time the credits rolled, I was feeling a bit pumped, entertained, and excited about the potential going forward. Uh, and so I actually went with three out of five, which you might be surprised to learn <laughs> for this movie. Well, I, I am. I was expecting a one or a two. No, no, the first one, not so bad for me, uh, for all the reasons I said. So, yeah, obviously, if we're working out an average, then for the first Venom, uh, the podcast overall would give it 3.5 or three and a half stars out of five. So not bad at all. I mean, it uh, works out as well above average. So let me just uh, go to the next section, then, which would be the audience response, audience interaction sections. 
because I did my usual asking on <coughs> on social media for what people thought about these movies. Uh, we didn't get a lot about the second movie, so I'll, the majority of it was about the first Venom. So just bear with me while I go through what some people had to say about that. Um, the first response here is from Mangler 112 who says, I have the same problem with both films. Tom Hardy and Venom are great, but the rest of the film story characters and screenplay are terrible. Okay. <laughs> Keep Chewing Bubblegum just says, I liked it. These Venom films are fun. Okay. Uh, Alex Spiddles Spiddleston just says, love it. Okay. Uh, John Glasgow says, disliked it. I've no use for Venom or Eddie as a hero. Uh, I know that the books have treated him that way, but I've never liked that either. Venom is a good villain, but as an anti-hero, he's just a cash grab or fan service, in my opinion. I can kind of see the point with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff McGinley at Dog Food for Chair says, I liked both Venom films. I think they work on the same level as Ghost Rider. In both cases, the main character is an awesome look, coupled with a ridiculous premise, and the film grabs both, but the execution was better on the Venom films. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Captain Laura Rillac says, I enjoyed it in the same vein as Deadpool, Venom being funny as he does all the crazy stuff. Uh, at Camos Mills says, I liked it. I prefer the comics, but I enjoyed it and Let There Be Carnage. Uh, at Matt Greenfield, contrary to that, says, I'm honestly baffled that Venom got the positive audience reception that it did. I thought it was terrible for all the reasons that comic book movie fans usually reject a movie, so I expect it to bomb hard. I still think it's bad, but I don't begrudge anyone enjoying it. Uh, and then in response to that, Splatoon 3 hype just simply says, it's because Eddie and Venom are gay, isn't it? <laughs> 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 yeah, so that was all the responses I had for the first Venom movie. But uh, yeah, I think mixed is probably the fairest thing we can say. But ultimately, yeah. I think it just comes out on the side of the positive. So we'll probably say it gets away. It scrapes a hit, the first one. So that's fair enough. Um, so yeah, moving us on then to the sequel. The inevitable sequel did come out, Venom Let There Be Carnage. Uh, and again, throwing it over to you, DK, what little uh, fast facts and information behind the scenes stuff do you have on the sequel? Okay, well... Uh... Fleischer decided not to return for this sequel. Uh, not only were he committed to working with Harrelson on the sequel to Zombieland, but he was very disappointed in the lackluster reaction to the first film, preferring not to return. Circus eventually took over after Hardy called him out of the blue, must have been phone calls like that, and asked <laughs> him to take over the director's chair. Features four Oscar nominees in this one, Tom Hardy, uh, nominated for The Revenant, Woody Harrelson, Larry Flint, The Messenger, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea, and Naomi Harris for Moonlight, which begs the question, just what the hell went wrong here? Now, Shriek... <laughs> I think we know. Yeah, Shriek, uh, in the comic books, she's given an original mutation by after encountering Cloak and Dagger. However, in the movie... Hmm. Explanation for her powers is never discussed. Given a comment, a place oh, for people like me, though the official moniker's never quite used, could is. be the first mutant. It is. I, I noticed that when I saw it at the cinema, and again, when I rewatched it, they do actually say the word mutant, which shocks me, really? because the MCU has went out of their that? way. Yep. Ah. <laughs> yep. It's once and once only, but I was like, wow. The MCU has avoided name-dropping that word specifically so much. And yet, it's in a freaking Sony Venom movie that they first use it. And I was like, that is so weird. <laughs> but, it yeah. is. Ah, yeah. Well, I didn't know that. So nice one. Uh, when Eddie first enters Mrs. Chen's shop, and this time, Venom arranges a stack of magazines for her. All the covers <laughs> of the magazines feature Stan Lee. 
Oh, that would be his cameo in the movie then, since he's fantastic. Yes. Nice. I didn't even um, notice that. Ah. Uh, and uh, the restaurant where Eddie meets Anne, it's a literal translation of The Spider, which was the name used in France for oh. Spider-Man during the 70s and 80s. <laughs> wow. Oh. And, you, They're leaning into it by movie? this one, aren't they, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> during yeah. the movie, when Cassidy escapes, several helicopters are seen searching for him. They weren't actually part of the original shoot. They were instead being used on location filming for Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> Rather than wait for him to finish, Circus incorporated them into a film and had a dialogue by Hardy later to explain their presence, which... Ah, cool. That's clever. Good uh, cost-saving exercise there. Definitely. Awesome. Uh, Patrick Mulligan, played by Stephen Graham, Obviously, yes. human alter ego of Toxin, another symbiote. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Final scene of Mulligan shows him alive with glowing blue eyes, leading to the possibility the character may return for the third movie. Oh, yes. I hope yeah, so. Cause... I love Toxin. <laughs> I've never experienced him in the comic books, if I'm being honest. Oh, if you haven't read it, there's a comic book that's literally just called Venom versus Carnage. I forget who it's written by, but the art is by... Oh, I'm blanking on this now. The art is by Clayton Crane an artist that makes things look really weird and sinewy and stuff anyway, so he's perfect for a Venom and Carnage, the birth of Toxin, which is similar to how Carnage was born. He's, like, spawned from Carnage and attaches to this cop. And again, they do the whole, like, I'm a cop. I now have the power to do something, but we can't hurt bad people. can only hurt bad people, sorry, and can't hurt good people. And, yeah, I really like that character. Not many people do, but I just responded well to him, I think. And it's, and it's called Venom v Carnage, yeah? Yeah, the comic is Venom versus Carnage, and it's like a series. I'll see if I got that Unlimited later. I'll check it. The front cover for the collected edition and for issue one is Venom and Carnage having a fight in like a weird yin-yang circle pattern. <laughs> so, oh, okay. But yeah, it's pretty distinctive uh, if you if you get a chance to look it up. I'll check that one out. Uh, yeah. The last thing, during the credit scene, Venom obviously pulled into a different universe, MCU. <laughs> oh, yes. And he sees Parker for the first time. However, in No Way Home, it's only those that know that Peter and Spider-Man are one and the same. Mm-hmm. During this scene, Venom's telling Eddie he's got the entire knowledge of the Hive, so as such, Venom's possibly aware of the universe in which he originally fought Peter, either the mm. comics or the uh, the uh, Tobey Maguire movies, explaining why he was dragged into the events of the third Spider-Man Tom Holland. I will point out, though, spoiler for No Way Home, but yes, even though it says that only people that knew Parker's identity were dragged into the universe, No Way Home itself points out that Electro doesn't know his identity because he thought Spider-Man was black. So it falls apart literally within that movie. Yeah. It's... <laughs> oh, dear. And that's before yeah, we get to the Morbius post-credit scene. <laughs> oh, my... boy. And, 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 and it's not really a, a fact, but is it just me? Or are the end credits in Let There Be Carnage exactly the same as the end credits for Venom? <laughs> I didn't notice, but I probably turned it off by that point. Yeah, if, if you look, apart from the Woody Harrelson slide, they're pretty mm. much picture for picture. <laughs> Probably a cost-saving measure again. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, bless. Oh, well, fair enough. So was that everything you had for, uh, for Let There Be Carnage? Was, yeah. Awesome. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll get into the review then because, uh, as I say, we're probably strapped for time a little bit. And as, thankfully, this is a shorter movie. It's only 90 minutes, so there's not really a lot to get into. Um, and you've touched on a few things there in the sort of facts, so that's good. Um, we start off with the kind of reform school backstory of Cletus and Shriek. Uh, and how they were kind of star-crossed lovers. First thing, first question, 
why on earth did they decide they were going to dub these child actors with the adult actors' voices? It's terrible. It's, it's awful, the most jarring it? thing you've ever heard in your life. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts on show when I was a kid, uh, based on the book Heidi? <laughs> the dubbing was as bad as that, and that was dubbed from another language. <laughs> they don't sound like children. Why would no. you decide? Why would Andy Circus of all people as a director decide to do that? Like, I get you want to link the characters, but they're children. Adults don't sound like kids. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, as I said, this scene is where she basically explains. Um, I have very special, she says, mutations, and I need to be taken to a place where there are others like me, which again, very much hinting at the mutants and the, potentially the X-Men. Who knows? Um, and again, we're introduced to Pat Mulligan, which we've already talked about. And uh, Pat Mulligan gets shrieked and gets his ear damaged, uh, but she is shot, believed to be killed, and actually taken to Ravencroft Institute, which is another uh, place from the comics, yeah. which they brought in quite nicely. So, yeah. So that's your backstory, leading into the credits. And the very next scene is just a retread of the post credit scene. Like, they yeah. explain that he's been there before, but it's so silly because it is exactly the same of, like, um, oh, uh, yeah, I'm here to try and get information from you, but you've got to do something from me first. And It doesn't whatever. seem to match <laughs> up either. It... it doesn't know. I mean, like I said, the hair's different for a start, but then they make the point of, like, uh, Mulligan saying, you've had your chance with this guy to kind of accommodate for the fact, and yet... Cassidy talks to him as if it's the first time they've ever met anyway. So yeah, it's like, it, it, yeah the it, continuity's out of the window. <laughs> They're straight in with the weird like venom face thing, which is ridiculously over the top as it's like it forms the venom tendril face and starts chasing Mulligan behind him. And I'm like, oh my days, are we really going straight into, you know, Bugs Bunny cartoon 101? <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. And uh, yeah, we do get um, <laughs> the very first use of many of um, Venom saying to uh, Eddie, we should protect, be protecting the city lethally. And I've just went, oh, bu buckle up for more of that. The writers yeah. of this film were very aware there's a comic called Lethal Protector, and they freaking love it. It is name-checked like 30,000 times in yeah. this movie. And even in No Way Home, it's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so just like, we, we get the picture. It's the comic title. Let it go. <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, anyway... <laughs> Um, we get a brief scene of Jack Naylor, who you might recognize from Holby City, <laughs> red-headed woman, who I was never expecting to turn up in a Venom and Carnage movie. Um, but she's like in the female toilets and listening as like Eddie and uh, and the symbiote are having a like argument because crazy people are funny. Um, and they bring up <laughs> Anne from nowhere because they just need exposition, <clears throat> I guess. And I'm yeah. like, this is not a promising start. <laughs> Again, they try to emphasize by having... Cassidy say welcome back to um to Brock that he's had the post credit scene has happened, but then uses the phrase again. Ooh, there's going to be so much carnage. I was like, so are we supposed to just believe that he just says that every time he meets somebody? He constantly yeah. uses that word just all the time. <coughs> it's so cheesy, and um again, the plot makes no sense here because he's like, um oh, you've got to indulge me by writing this message and posting it in the paper so that Shriek can see it, and I'm like. Why are they indulging this mass, like, horrible murderer that's on death row? Like, I shall print your message in the paper, Zodiac Killer. Like, what the frick are they doing? You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, essentially, Woody Harrelson in these scenes in the uh, cell as well is wooden as 
as can be <laughs> more wooden I, than a freaking two by four to <laughs> holding up a fence at this stage but i honestly yeah. cannot understand what harrelson is playing at in this <laughs> i think he saw what hardy did in the first movie and thought oh i can do a good job of replicating that and he just can't <laughs> because no. it just doesn't work even when he's voicing carnage it just doesn't work at all um, well, and again, didn't you think the director apparently didn't want to voice Carnage at first, and oh, Circus okay. convinced him to do so. Ah, okay, but, fair uh, enough. But even mm. when he's not, even when he's just playing, he shows more emotion in that post-credit scene in the first one to me than he does in this. Well, we know he's capable of playing like natural-born killers, type serial killers and stuff. So again, why does he play Cletus Cassidy like a cartoon? Exactly. <laughs> it's just so. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. Um, I've just said here that Tom Hardy's like squirrely shit is just getting really old at this point. Uh, you know, oh, I get brain freeze, blah, blah. And um, then, of course, we get our first appearance of the Daily Bugle because we're allowed to use it now, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> they they uh, went full in, didn't they, as well? They used the uh, the same banner. and. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. So uh, coming back to Venom on the couch and he's arguing, he's starving and... You know, I'll, Eddie feels like he's being abused, but the symbiote needs brains or chocolate and chickens aren't good enough, but the FBI are still on alert from the first movie, so they have to be responsible. And my eyes are glazing over at this point. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, we know what's going on. But then your favourite character appears, Mrs. Chen, Yay! who, again, just random mates with an alien symbiote. Sure, at this stage, why the frick not? Uh because it is protecting her and, you know, you cannot eat Mrs. Chen. She gets you your chickens and stuff. And there's a really unnecessary city jump montage and more lame humor as uh, Venom tries to stop a mugging, but Anne calls in the middle of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is just no. <laughs> Already no. just no. <laughs> I'm not loving it. Um, so, yeah, Michelle Williams is back. Presumably she owed somebody money. Uh, <laughs> and she... <laughs> In, immediately starts with the line, I'm just hanging around. I'm like, really? Just yeah. really? And then again, completely in contrast to the end of the first movie, she says, sorry, she hasn't been in touch because she needed space after the whole head biting thing. Didn't seem to need space when she was snogging him at the end of the first film, but whatever. Um, but now she has news, and it's so obvious where this is going that they meet in the bar and they do, that again, that horrible sitcom cliche of like, she wants to get back together. Oh, no, I'm actually getting engaged. And like, oh, yeah. why does she feel guilty about this as well she owes him nothing and she acts dead guilty and then defensive and it's just really bizarre but it is nice that at least Anne calls out Venom being in there and uh, you know addresses him directly with yeah. um, you know what are you doing and it is kind of funny when Venom's like I am going to make you cry no. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm, I'm going back but that's you know I'll, I'll signpost it that is my favourite line <laughs> But when that's my favourite line, that shows you where this movie's headed. Yeah, it does more or less, yeah. So, yeah, Eddie starts being reckless as he drives around on his bike again, uh, insults the amoeba of the uh, symbiote. And the next morning, there's like a breakfast sing-along uh, again because, you know, they're just making scenes at this point that look like friggin' sketch shows. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> terrible. Uh, there's a postcard from Cassidy, and we get an animated little quirky backstory about all the horrors that he's done, which I liked. I thought if there's a way you're going to have to do that exposition, at least they did something unique about it, rather than yeah. just a flashback. So I was I was fond of that. And we do get the exposition about Shriek as well. Uh, and then, after all of that goodness, we get the line, every hero has an origin story from uh, Cassidy washes a spider and eats it 
I was like, oh, subtlety really just, they, they weren't interested anymore. <laughs> they, they were yeah, just like, yeah. hey, <laughs> we're going to drop this clanger right on your head. <laughs> but yeah, um, strange thing to do to basically point out the importance of Spider-Man to an origin story, but whatever. <laughs> Again, it makes you wonder what they're going to do if it, when, it, when, when they actually introduce Spider-Man to all this. Who knows what the hell they're doing? I don't yeah, think they're they just do. they're swapping characters back and forth just because again, somebody at Sony, a big executive with a cigar heard Marvel are doing a spell that lets things jump universes, and somebody at Sony was like, Are we gonna get in on this? We're gonna get our yeah. characters back. <laughs> yeah, it just makes no sense whatsoever. It's so stupid, yeah, completely. Um, but yeah, in terms of lines that make me laugh and really shouldn't, the way that the symbiote just goes, cuts up and squirts them with ketchup. Yes. Again, children's comedy, but I still laugh anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, they go back to the prison and Venom argues that he should be allowed to eat the prisoners. Um, <laughs> There's a glorious bit of dialogue when Eddie says, this guy makes zero sense. And I'm like, well, you said it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, obvious allusions to them being the same, Eddie and Cletus, because again, subtlety's nowhere to be found. Um, and it said, you know, your mum was killed in childbirth and I killed my mum and blah, blah, blah. And he riles him up and crucially bites him and says, that doesn't taste like blood. So he eats it. And it's the carnage symbiote. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> who, who didn't see that coming? <laughs> Just totally perfunctory, but whatever. Um, Heading back from there, we get yet more arguing from Sim Brock, the symbiote and Brock, who, you know, you're a loser, you're nothing, I made you special. I had a life, you destroyed things, I rebuilt, I found the clue. I don't want to be a hero, I just want to live in peace. I'm like, they're doing Spider-Man too. Yeah. They, they think they can fool us. They're doing the plot of actual <laughs> freaking Spider-Man too. <laughs> oh, I have my powers, now I don't want them anymore. I just want a normal life. So you're going to lose the powers and then have to get them back at the very end to save the woman of your dream. Yep, it's exactly that plot. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and when you think about it, it's exactly the same plot as the first one. I mean, more or less, yeah. And, I mean, it's it's a plot that it's well-worn. It's the plot of Superman 2, for that matter, you know. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, again, yet another reference to lethal protection. protection. Uh, you're useless and, you know, there's a, there's a punch. I'm sorry, I'll fix it. And there's a stupid slapstick fight. But in the end, the symbiote ditches wrecks a bike, hops onto a different host, uh, and makes a giant gooey middle finger to Eddie. <sighs> At this point see? in my notes, I've literally just put the emoji of the face palm. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what are we doing? But yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, we head back to the execution and Carnage is out. Uh, there's some cool tension to reveal him in the shadows, but I'm not that fond of the design of Carnage here. Um, it's cool that the alarm sounds because the Sonics disrupt him again, setting that up. Uh, I hate that you can just make holes in the host body. I mean, it's probably canon or something to do with the comics, but I don't like that. Like, There's still a person in there, so how is he like just turning himself into liquids so bullets will go through him and stuff? Yeah, it's I'm very not... jarring. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, yeah, it just doesn't work on screen. It's just It makes him too overpowered as well. Um, yeah, he, uh, the poor cop that he's about to threaten tells him that he's got a family, uh, and not to do, uh, what he's going to do. But then I, I apologize for my wording here, but I'm just going to put you what, because I was in that kind of mood, I guess what I've written here is he mercilessly tongues the poor cop. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm Death sorry, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I mean, it's accurate to what's happening, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't get either why this version of of Carnage has to have like Doc Ock arm tendrils coming out of his back because I don't remember that ever being the case in the comics and stuff. Um, no, it's, it's just to make I think it look we're just going to differentiate the design. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe they took um, on board about what we were saying about Riot earlier. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, everyone's just like, oh well, fair enough. And speaking of which, the prisoners all cheer about the death of the guards and being freed. Not at all freaked out by this bizarre gooey alien thing. Just not faced at all. And then Carnage literally turns into a whirlwind. <laughs> oh. oh it, looks, about it looks so much like a bad cartoon. It is as bad as you would imagine. <laughs> it's just like, what are we doing? Carnage can do so many cool things if you hadn't wasted it on Riot. He can make like blades and mazes and stuff. And you have him turn into a freaking cartoon whirlwind? What was yeah. that about? <laughs> I will say, though, that it's a great visual of Cassidy's face coming out of Carnage because they're so joined that it's, like, quite horrific. Uh, you can kind of see there's no separation point there. It's, like, embedded in, like, body horror style. Um, yeah. He kills the warden and does off singing a bad song about, you know, uh, prison didn't get me down or whatever, and everybody's just fine it's, with it. And uh, Cash's Folsom City Blues, I think. That's the one, yes. I did yeah. think that, but I didn't, I didn't have the heart to look it up. At this point, I'd lost <laughs> the will to live, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, cutting back to the apartment, Eddie's patching himself up, and on the news, uh, you know, sees that something's going on. Pat Mulligan visits, and there's an, uh, you know, a, a reference to <laughs> again to try and explain this in real world terms. They just shouldn't have bothered because there's a reference to, oh, I suppose you know nothing about this elaborate costume that he used to break out. Costume, come on. Mm. <laughs> again, he was turning himself into liquid that just wouldn't let things go through him in holes. It's not just a costume, but whatever. Um, it is weird that he's effectively right to suspect Eddie, but the main thing that I took away from this scene is it was only when I was watching it that I was like, huh, this is two English dudes doing American accents. Weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the same scene as well. Like, huh, I suppose I'll give them credit for that, you know? <laughs> but yeah, Eddie uh, goes full detective uh, and decides he's going to investigate. Oh, dear me, then. Do, do I have to? I suppose I better get on with it. We're at a rave because it's 1994. I don't know. Um, I, I was, I, I, yeah. The hero of the movie has just killed multiple people because it couldn't host him for very long, and we're supposed to be fine with it. It's funny, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw yeah. that, when I saw the clips prior to the movie coming out, I thought, oh, that looks like it might be. A good fun and then when i saw the scene i was just like this is the opposite it is terrible it is the most trashy just what were you thinking and yeah um again somebody points out oh nice costume like the entire world is freaking blind <laughs> it's clearly yeah. not and uh yeah in case they were far too subtle about the whole gay allegory in the first movie we get within close proximity the lines you are not my type to a woman and i am out of the eddie closet yeah. Oh, there's not enough groans in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just yeah. oh, there's no subtlety in this movie whatsoever. Nope. Nope, they don't care. They're just like, "Oh, well, we wait, we've made our money. People just don't care, so we'll just chuck any old crap." But I forget it. Anyway, I'll move on. <laughs> we get to the gross aftermath of of carnage feeding and it actually it does look quite kind of gross and weird. 
but he's felt the need to change into like bad, like red suit clothes and steal a sports car and does the cliche thing of talking to him through the mirror. Uh, and, you know, we have to kill the thing that made me, but never asks how or why or what. Why? <laughs> Just, okay, but first we have to go and get Shriek. Of course you do. Why not? <laughs> and then we cut back to everybody's favorite rave, and Venom is on stage with multicolored hoops all over him. Oh my god. He wants freedom. He wants them to stop the cruel treatment of aliens. He literally said aliens. Yeah. And then he drops the mic. Was, was, this I mean, isn't funny trying... good. This is terrible. No, just it's... to clarify. I, I, I was surprised at, at some of the decisions on this, especially when it comes from people like Hardy and Circus. 100%. It's, it's, I've just written, this is painful. He says, lethal protector out, yet again, name dropping that, and drops a mic. And I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so we get a, a, one brief scene of good stuff when Eddie plays detective and finds St. Esther's and the tree that has, you know... Um, Cassidy yeah. and Francis's initials, that's Shriek. Yeah. Uh, but Pat is convinced that he shot her dead. We get the very unsubtle, like, as he's talking about her, his ear starts ringing. Uh, and Cleus is looking for her. So Cleus Cassidy attacks a store. And you get the best slash worst line of the movie. Ooh, you got any of those internets? <laughs> <laughs> what the? He's, Cleus Cassidy isn't meant to be in his 80s. Nobody talks like this. <laughs> God. But yeah. Um in Ravencroft, they have the stereotypical evil kind of nurse ratchet character who is for some reason telling Shriek all about Cletus Cassidy and how he's escaped again. Yeah. Why? Just because and because then he can turn up right behind you and kill you. Because as we've already said many a time, subtlety, what's that? The tendril from Cletus Cassidy somehow gets through a locked security door to strangle her, which again never explained. <laughs> At this no. point, they're just making it magic. <laughs> it's just a phase yeah. through things or whatever. Um, she meets Carnage and thinks that he's so hot. And her acting here, like the way that she responds to him, I've just written, oh, Naomi, fire your agent, honey. <laughs> what are we doing? Need... They're, all, <laughs> they're all Oscar nominees. What are they playing at? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's bad, isn't it? But yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to move us away from this. Um, so we head back, and again, your favourite character is now twice as fun, because Mrs. Chen is being possessed by Venom. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> See, forget Craven. Forget Craven movie. Forget Morbius. I want a Chen movie. <laughs> it would be infinitely more fun than this one was. Oh, bless. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of talk about another death being on kind of Venom and Carnage's uh, conscience, and Monsters everywhere, which again, finally a normal reaction, ironically. Michelle Williams, what are you doing? Yeah. The fact that she's like, she starts arguing with the symbiote that's inside Mrs. Chen at this stage, and then switches from that to starting to seduce it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what? Oh, you, some... You're an Oscar nominee. Yeah, it's <laughs> very strange. I did like the, uh, the, the thing about Mrs. Chen's age. I missed that. What was that? They asked, her, they, they, uh, they asked her how old she was or something, and she went, I can't remember the exact she, she went like 20-something. And Michelle ah. went, really? <laughs> Fair 
fair enough. I do like that the 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 line that ends this scene though, because it's just it's in the delivery, but the way the con the venom symbiote goes, nobody likes you, Dan. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah, I like that's that a good one. callback there. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, unfortunately, what's not so good is then they're talking about, um, oh, well, they're going to go and get married. A red wedding. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the symbiote has to get back to Brock. So we have the reappearance of She Venom, who is remarkably less sexist. So, yes, Andy Circus, at least you didn't feel the need to make her a exaggerated stereotype of just stick thin with boobs. I'll give you that for her appearance in this one. But again, just weird. It seems like it's because we've got Anne in the movie. We have to have she Venom. The scene about like they've got to apologize and it wants you to apologize and it's not interested and ugh, it's just bad. I can't be bothered to explain any further yeah. than that. So, and yet again, once it's joined with him, says we can call ourselves the Lethal Protector. Believe me, I'm aware of how annoying this is at this stage, viewer, listener. But I had to experience it, so I'm going to make you experience it too every time it comes up. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, talk about, you know, fire and sound can be used to defeat it because we need that exposition. And the, the symbiote starts slapping down around. <laughs> and then, again, because it's not subtle, uh, there is the line, you two need couples counselling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah just, it's like, stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, there already. Are, you need to no, shove yeah, it we already got the kind of like a couple from the first movie. But yeah. it just seems like they're hammering down on it for the terminally stupid in this one. <laughs> Not wrong. But yeah. Um, we cut back and Pat's been captured by a pretty well done sort of special effect of carnage. Uh, Shriek decides that she's going to use Anna's bait because, again, it's just Spider-Man 2. Uh, and for some reason, <laughs> Naomi Harris's Shriek accent here just turns awful. She goes full on like, well, gosh, Patty, I'm going to kidnap that girl. <laughs> it's, <laughs> again, just one scene. <laughs> <laughs> them juke boys better learn how to fly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just again one scene but it's bad um, there's a citywide manhunt and we get the cool like gothic zoom in on the church and the dark wedding uh, where they've got Pat held hostage and it seems like it's time for the final showdown in the church which makes up the bulk of the film uh, again in terms of actors I never expected to see in a Venom Carnage movie Reese Shearsmith from the League of Gentlemen plays the yeah. vicar in this scene <laughs> I just thought, oh my god, we're inside number nine. <laughs> yep. So I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, I do think that the Carnage transformations are wonderfully fitting and gross, and they fit that character really well. So kudos for those effects. But um, in terms of dialogue, they kind of ruin that with the gag about, um, oh, you are you, you are a bad father. No, not you, father, to the vicar. And that's like, no. <laughs> it's are oh, you being served humor again stop yeah. it and again this really weird oh we we are not going to face this one that is a red one and i'm like why is that significant the movie never explains it no it's, it's, i mean <laughs> obviously if you've read the comics you kind of get the reason why but it's the lines just dropped and then it's i don't know why i've read a few comics and i couldn't tell you why being red is specifically bad. apparently in the lineage of the symbiotes, uh, every so often there's a more powerful one, and it's usually signified by the fact that it does take on a red colouring. Oh, uh, okay. Well, they could have explained that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and again, I, I, just yeah. all sense of like emotional connection and stuff is out the window because the symbiote now decides we never liked Dan anyway. Let them kill her, and we'll just run away. And I'm like, what? 
It's just, no, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, he doesn't like the shriek, which, again, is pretty good effects. Um, and I will say there's a much better final fight here than the first movie. Um, but, again, terrible dialogue, like you can't kill a ghost, which just means nothing at all whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Carnage bullies shriek a lot more because we've kind of built up that that's going to be what comes between him and Cassidy, which I don't love either because the whole point of the visuals and the comic story is that they are such a perfect match that they start using like I pronouns and stuff because they are yeah. like, so connected. There's, there's almost like no taken, separating them. They've taken the identities from the comic books and reversed them. Yeah, because in exactly. the comic books, it's, you know, Eddie and Venom aren't that great a match. They totally off screen, he eats the priest's head, which I had to rewind twice to see what was actually happening. I was like, did he? Did he? Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so in the background, but it does definitely happen. And I was like, all right, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, weak. And uh, talk about, you know, an eye for an eye as they try to stab the eye. And, yeah, not bad effects. Um, again, they have Dan coming in like, ah, oh, your weakness is fire and sound, which would be really cool. But then he ruins it by without the sound. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, there's a big sort of uh, the church bell, which again, a staple of these Venom type stories as in terms of the sonic effect. Um, yeah. And then again, motivation from nowhere, Cletus Cassidy, like you didn't write about me being abused. It was only one side of the story. I was like, first of all, that came from nowhere. Secondly, that's freaking stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. As if that excuses anything. You know? But um, yeah. They're not interested in logic at this point. So yeah, it looks hopeless no. and carnage is too much. Um, but that's when they say, oh, they're not symbiotic, they're not a good match, which, again, contrary to what should be the case, but we are, because together we are, guess what? The Lethal Protector. <laughs> 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 exactly. So, yeah, it's a little bit too faded, and then, as if by magic, of course, the film has to insert the line, let there be carnage. Yeah. <laughs> DiCaprio me! <laughs> it's like... Uh... Like in Family Guy. He said it. He said it. Ah, oh, he said the name of the thing. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, there's some pretty much exact copying of like Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 scenes and stuff. Um, really quite shocked that he basically killed Shriek with the bell. But her death scene is really well done because it was a shock. And I was like, wow, okay. Woof. <laughs> What's happening here? And then the, the like barrel or symbiotes as the symbiote travels through them all and back to Eddie is a really good effect as well. But um, bear, in mind, bear in mind, but, Naomi Harris has said, and I think Andy Serkis has said, you never see the body for Shriek. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, 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 completely. I mean, it's and it's a hollow object. It's a bell. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Oi. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Carnage has been separated. And in the weirdest scene in the movie, Venom just eats it and says it didn't taste good. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> In all the ways Carnage has been like killed off for good in the comics, which never is the case, at no point has he just been eaten by the previous yeah. symbiote. It's so dumb. And uh, it's, yeah, this is a strange movie. Yeah, it's very weird. And then Cletus starts to threaten the kind of weird half face, the return of half face Eddie thingy, Eddie and symbiote, and says, You know, all I really wanted was your friendship. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the third motivation you've given this guy. Yeah, make your mind up. And again, they think they're hilarious and edge lordy because the symbiote just goes ah and then eats his head. 
<sighs> wow. <laughs> then, you know, get out, they'll come for you. Take care. And <laughs> you too, Dan, I like you. He's completely changed his mind and yeah. whatever. But yeah, again, as a fan of the character, was quite thrilled in the cinema when I was like, ooh, Pat Mulligan's alive and his eyes are glowing the kind of blue toxin colours. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Venom and Eddie reconcile, but they're fugitives on the run and they're in a beach somewhere. There's lots of talk about loving him because, again, we have to make this clear for the idiots in the audience. Uh, a good sort of nobody's perfect reference and they debate where they're going to go and they decide, where are they going to go, DK? Anywhere that needs. <laughs> oh. Lethal protectors. Yep. <laughs> oh, lethal protectors. <laughs> but yeah, the symbiote decides it needs a cape and a mask, and Eddie says that's kind of pointless. And uh, yeah, the music then joins in the unsubtlety by playing Love Will Tear Us Apart. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, the film ends, and we cut later to a mid credit scene uh, about, as you said, this, the symbiote has traveled light years across universes, and it'll give you a small taste of what that could mean. Which is weird, because I thought this was going to be how they were kind of crossing universes, and then it's revealed that's yeah. not to do with anything. Um, <coughs> a mislead. But in any case, they cross universes into the MCU. As we see, uh, it's because of Doctor Strange and No Way Home. Uh, and there's a quick shot of J. Jonah Jameson and of Tom Holland's unmasked Spider-Man, to which the symbiote again confusingly just goes, ooh, that guy, and licks him <laughs> on the screen. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is supposed to be like it's game changing, but it was just really weird and confusing. And again, it feels the need to end on a really crap joke of like, "What are you doing in my hotel room?" <laughs> this is just how fitting that just a damp fart of a joke ends this movie. You know? Yeah, but, uh, and again, yeah. we and then we go back into the credits previously seen in Venom One. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So then, before we get to the best sort of all, favorite, if we can get them, uh, character scene and line from this movie, did you have any last sort of thoughts, or do you want to go straight into it? Just let's let's just move on. <laughs> let's, let's just get it over with. <laughs> yeah. So who is your favorite? Who is your favorite character in this movie? I charitably say. <laughs> oh. You see, I I want to say Mrs. Chen again, but she didn't have very <laughs> many good lines. Yeah, but she got to actually be Venom. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's there's nobody in this that stood out. Oh, I found the line by the way. Uh, Mrs. Chen protests to being called old. Says, "I'm only thirty nine And Venom retorts, "And I'm Barry Manilow." <laughs> yes, I do recall that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll give you that one. Yeah, uh, fair enough. This this I can't. I'll have to, I might say Dan to be honest okay. because he he moves. You just from, kind of save the day, yeah. You know, straight. Boy, throwaway boyfriend material, <clears throat> and uh, they actually kept him in. And not only did they keep him in, as you say, they made him uh, quite heroic in this. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go with Dan. That's fair enough. Um, I struggled to find a favorite character until I realized, okay, it's probably Pat Mulligan because even though he does nothing in the movie, he at least gets to be kind of like moral and heroic. And I just love Toxin in the comics, so it's purely just based on how much I like the comic version of that character. <laughs> Yeah, because I struggled to find anybody that I liked yeah. other than that in it's, this movie. Uh, it, this one, this one is a difficult one. Yeah. Uh, so if you could find one, what was your favorite scene in this movie? Oh, the favorite, my favorite scene is one that they actually cut. Oh no it's, way! It, it's the extended one where they sat on the beach at the end, and it's just oh. that they cut that little extra banter between Eddie and uh, Venom. 
I haven't seen that deleted scene. Yeah, it's it's on YouTube. If uh, okay, but it's uh, where Venom says, "Oh, you do love me," and Tom Hardy goes, "No." And there's like a bit of a, a sitcom. You do? No. Yes, you do. And it's extended in the cutscene, and it plays so okay. much better than the one that they actually included. Oh, fair enough. I didn't watch any of the extra features on the Blu-ray for this movie because I just, again, had lost the will to live even after yeah. 90 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, my favourite scene in the movie, I said, is that the final fight is actually quite decent. Um, it is the bulk of the what I remember from the movie because it's about the only thing that's memorable. But it is, I will say, better than the final fight of the first movie. Um, but again, low bar. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. And then what was your favourite line? Uh, was it the one you already told us? The the one where uh, he says, I'm going to make you cry. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, mine was basically the way that he switches uh, in part, part way through the movie and in the end fight he uses, uh, nobody likes you, Dan. And then at the end of the movie, out of nowhere, <laughs> just switches to, you take care too, Dan. I like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nonsense, well, but at least it's funny. You know? <laughs> it is. But that's the, that's the problem with these movies. The best bits are the bits that have nothing to do with the characterization and the storyline. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's based yep. on. Yeah, completely. Because there isn't really anything about those that they care about, is there? So No. Anyway, um, did you want to go first with your conclusion, or do you want me to go this time? Uh, you go first, man. I'll give my conclusion and score, then. Uh, be prepared to be disappointed if you're a fan of the movie. <laughs> Again, sorry for the long-winded conclusion, but I just said, oh dear, Tom Hardy is remarkably bland as Eddie this time around. Michelle Williams is once again wasted, given awful material with I can only assume the thought of a paycheck for motivation. Woody Harrelson's Cletus Carnage and Naomi Harris's Shriek think they're in a deep bad PG remake of Natural Born Killers and contribute to this film being tonally all over the place. But most egregiously, the film is boring, uninspired, and repeats the exact cliche plot beats of every superhero sequel. Hero is sick of this life. Hero loses powers. Bigger threat directly related to Hero emerges. Hero selflessly gets powers back to save girlfriend. It's just familiar beats hanging on nothing. It's yeah. a dull exercise that seems to exist entirely because the first film did well financially. The filmmakers are saying nothing. There's no original ideas. There's no plot worth a dang. And there's no reason that I can see that this exact film deserves to exist. Okay, there's a handful of amusing odd couple Venom Eddie scenes and at least a faithful enough and pretty cool visual of Carnage. Though in a film with him in the title, he's also somehow wasted. Uh, but sadly, this and a minute smattering of like visual touches are all that the director Andy Circus contributes to what is a massive disappointment from him. Uh, the end of the movie was decent, better than the end of the first film, like I said. And it gives me personally one cool little comic fan moment when Toxin is revealed. Um, but it's a shame that we seem to be done with Carnage after this fast and very poor interpretation. Uh, this film is not the very worst thing I've ever seen, but it's not anything approaching good or worthy. Maybe you could rent it to stick it on in the background if you want some brainless, easy background noise. But frankly, even then, you'd be better off just re-watching the original film. Uh, and yeah, the score that I decided on was 1.5 or one and a half stars out of five for this movie. So, not a fan. <laughs> no. I can't see this being in your top ten when it comes to the man. No. <laughs> just no, a we'll get to that. It's, it would have to be I'd have to pretty much hate every movie for a 1.5 to get in there but yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway what was your conclusion and uh, score and then we'll get the audience interaction out the way then okay I says uh, well Let There Be Carnage has some sections that are diverting enough it doesn't reach anywhere near the same level as the first movie and that's not an Oscar Oscar bait movie in the first place there's a lot of spectacle 
And the interplay between Hardy and Harrelson is good for what you get because the only time that the symbiotes meet is the first time. As yeah. good as Harris is in the role and provides the backstory for Cassidy, you can't. I can't help personally but feel a little less shriek and a lot more carnage would have worked better. Yeah. However, the spectacle comes at the expense of some of the more human comedic elements from the first movie. As a result, it's mo it's just standard action fare. And while you do get a couple of good scenes, it has nowhere near as much heart as the first instalment. Maybe the line out bugs in time for part three. And, you know, I'm always open to have a rewatch, knowing what's coming this time. But it's... Oh, I did that. So... <laughs> oh, I've seen this twice now. <laughs> no, this, this was the first time. And I was, I can't believe, I can't believe all the potential that they had for Carnage, especially with Harrelson in the role. And it just came across as wasted. Yeah. And the highlight of this movie is, as you say, the bit where Venom's trying to cook him breakfast. Mm. It doesn't say a great deal, especially considering who is playing the roles in this. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. So I'm going to give it a bit more than you, but 2.5. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. So that makes the average easy to work out for me then anyway. Um, and so, yeah, the podcast overall... The average score for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, final score, two stars out of five, uh, which, yeah, less than average. It, it's a poor, it's a miss. It's not a good film, let's be fair. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think two out of five is, frankly, a little bit generous, but even still, but, uh, yeah, not the greatest movie. And, again, the first one, I do think, I'm pleased we agree that the first one's better because not everybody does. I do think the first one is so much better than it's, the it's just, I mean, it's, it's not going to win any awards, but it's fun. And I yeah. think that's the problem. The first one, everybody expected it to just be an absolute pile of garbage. So they were mm. pleasantly surprised that some of the elements leveled it up a little. Now, everybody went into this one thinking, not only is it going to have those elements from the first one, but it's going to have carnage. So everybody yeah. were expecting something a lot better. And as a result, Everybody's come away. Well, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but in my opinion, it's just very disappointing. Definitely. It's weird because, as I said, the, the critical response that I saw around the film as well was very much like, oh, it's like the first one. It's surprisingly good and everything. And again, I just felt like I was taking crazy pills because I was like, it's really not. It's really no. bad. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, so we've decided on the podcast score then. So again, I put out the audience interaction. Uh, tweets just asked people what they thought about the movie and again i only have a handful um on venom let there be carnage uh the first message here is from accidental star trek who says i thought it was dreadful i felt bad for a fine actor like stephen graham being caught up in this dreck at times it seemed like he was embarrassed to be there <laughs> <laughs> um at mangler 112 uh, is back to say maybe even worse than the first one both these films are just plain and simply bad <laughs> and uh, again keep chewing bubblegum is back and says fun uh, I liked it about the same as the first movie. My only problem was that I wanted more carnage and I wanted it to be longer because it felt short to me. Uh, and yeah. finally, Will Templar uh, has said about the second film, quite a bit of the humor hit. Some CGI scenes were fantastic, but everything else was pretty boring and or crap. The post-credit scene being ruined didn't help either. Uh, and he gave the score to uh, a score of two stars out of five uh, on Letterboxd for this movie. So yeah, uh, pretty much universally not liked, bizarrely from the yeah. few people that responded. Um, but what I will uh, say is that I did, just for a bit of extra flavor, I did also put out a poll on my social media to say, okay, um, bearing in mind what these films are, 
which of the following choices is the best movie that prominently features Venom? And the choice was between Spider-Man 3, Venom, and Venom Let There Be Carnage. So I'm interested to think to, to see what you think is going to happen with the, the results of this one then. Oh, tentatively, I'm going to say Spider-Man 3, if only because it's got Spider-Man in it. Weirdly enough, Spider-Man 3 came last. What? <laughs> I know, right? I, mean, I know in that series of films, it's not great, but... Yeah, but against the these two... The carnage? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> so oh, what do you think then between Venom and Let There Be Carnage was the most popular? It's got to be Venom, surely. It was, thankfully, the oh, first Venom. Yeah. Venom won the poll uh, handsomely with 42%. Uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage came in second with 31%, and Spider-Man 3 came last with 27% out of the 26 votes. Um, and there was a couple of comments. Keep chewing bubblegum, says it depends which Venom. I believe they're an anti-hero now, kind of like Harley Quinn in the comics. Okay. And uh, my friend Dark Sonic, who is going to be on a few uh, podcasts with both of us, and who we have to take to task for this, because he said... I haven't seen Spider-Man 3, but Venom 2 is better than Venom. <sighs> Toby, my man, you know what? you're a good friend. But what are you smoking if you think Venom 2 is better than Venom 1? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I am baffled by that. I really am. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that's literally the only person I think that had anything positive to say about Venom Let There Be Carnage. So it'll be interesting to hear. Maybe it even makes it into Toby's top 10 Marvel movies because he is joining us for that episode, which we will be doing soon. So oh, interesting to see, <laughs> see what he says to that one. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, yeah, it's been great uh, having you on as a kind of a co-host for the first time and really enjoyed your behind the scenes stuff. That was awesome, uh, giving us a bit of a flavor and backstory. So we'll uh, hopefully carry on doing that again because that worked really well, I think. So, oh, uh, yeah. It's good to be back. Awesome. And uh, did you want to shout out where people can find you on the internet then as usual? Uh, yeah, as usual, I'm found on AK at AK Starlord on Twitter. So if you want to give me any slatings for my uh, for my reviews, then feel free. And uh, of course, uh, you can reach uh, both DK and myself at the at podcast underscore screen page for the Silver Screen Podcast on Twitter. And uh, I myself am at Iron Mike Wilson. Uh, and you can find my other podcast, which is also uh, sometimes co-hosted by DK, uh, the Hit or Miss Star Trek Podcast at HOM Trek or at Home Trek. Uh, and yeah, hopefully enjoy all of that content. And uh, that's uh, all for this particular episode. Then I think we've come to the conclusion that not great films, but the first one's probably better than the second. So that's we've true. come to and some in all fairness, And in all fairness, both movies were still better than the last episode of Star Trek we reviewed. <laughs> I can't even remember what that was. Oh, Star yes. Is. Yeah, I can now. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, probably so. Head over there and, and see our glowing report. <laughs> it's one of the Series 2 episodes. That's all I'm getting from me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. We will be back. Uh, the next thing you'll see on the channel is a review. Uh, it's actually a crossover with the Star Trek channel. And it'll be a review of the movie Star Trek First Contact. Uh, I've had a lot of interest with that. So, it's myself and three first-time guests who are going to be reviewing that one. Uh, and then, as we've alluded to... On um, Thursday, the 22nd of April, <laughs> I think, yes. Uh, Thursday, April 22nd, we will have released for you uh, a fantastic video, hopefully, about a top 10 Marvel movies. And that's going to involve myself, DK again, uh, Toby, Dark Sonic that I mentioned, and uh, Will Templar from the Big Screen Podcast. So all four of us will be giving our top 10s and trying to come up with a combined top 10 greatest Marvel movies. Uh, so 
uh, lots of work to do uh, making our list and stuff. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, thanks again, DK, uh, for joining me. It's been a really good episode. Hopefully I can edit it down to around two hours and not too much longer. And uh, (laughs) yeah, Uh, in the meantime, uh, keep watching films, everyone. And remember, in the epic words of Arnie, I'll be back. Thank you.